around you, all that stuff going on around you. Uh, I just can't imagine that. And that would be awful, but even though that's what we're called to go into. Amen. Business with God. Okay, I've been doing business with God for 28 years. And it's been a joy. It's been a blessing. Because I've learned that his ways are not our ways. And he wants you to relax in his grace. That's the key, is getting to a point where, to where you can relax in his grace. Jesus said he was sent to be about the Father's business in John 5.30. So you can jot these scriptures down. I need, need you to, and I'm going to be testing everybody, okay? Um, there will be a test on, what, on these teachings like we did in preordination. So I need you to study, because if you don't study and meditate on the word, it's not going to do us any good. It's not going to do me any good. I can't go to another level until you go to another level. Does that make sense? John 5.30 says, I did not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. We are sent to be about the Father's business. In John 20.21, 20, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So Jesus sent us to the earth to represent the Father and his business. All right, let's look what business means. To establish an atmosphere. You ever heard that before about business? I looked this up and it says to establish an atmosphere. To reveal a character. And to explain a situation. That's business with God. So when we go out to different places and meet architects and meet people. and We should have this mindset. That when I go in there, I'm going to change the atmosphere of this building. And all you have to do is this. Say Jesus. And the whole atmosphere changes. The whole atmosphere changes. I say Jesus. And everything shifts at that point right there because you just acknowledged him. You just committed this thing to him. Now you've given him the full liberty to extend grace in your meeting, to extend mercy in your meeting. So let's look at Luke 2.49. I don't know whether, Todd, you got that or not, but it, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Now, this is when Jesus was a little boy and his mother asked him what he was doing. He said, I'm about the father's business. Even as a boy, Jesus received, Jesus recognized, this is the key, that his life was consecrated set apart for the Father's purpose. When we come into this kingdom, we are consecrated, set apart for the Father's purpose. We worry about money. We worry about income. We worry about paying bills. That's in the other kingdom that we left. When we come into this kingdom, our priority is to be about the Father's business. To have a mindset, to change an atmosphere, to do these things that were listed, to reveal our character, and to explain a situation through wisdom. Yielding to this call in daily living means that we recognize his purpose for us during times that we, should, we would otherwise seek indulgence for ourselves. Yielding to this call in daily living means this. 
that we recognize his purpose for us during during times we would otherwise seek indulgent for ourselves. Everybody get that? And John fifteen six, I've always loved this verse. Said where it says, "You didn't choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain." That's the key. How many times have we change fruit when something's not going my way? That your fruit would remain, and then he says, "Whatever you ask me, I will do." So he's answering prayer according to the fruit. Isn't that strong? He's not answering prayer according to your faith. Your faith is moving him, but not causing him to answer. Your prayers are answered because of the fruit of the Spirit that's coming out of your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Um, Patient, self-control. So remember that. Hey, if I want a prayer answered, I need to stop crying out to God and start bearing the fruit that's already in me. And you're tested all day long to produce the fruit, to choose the fruit that's in you. The word may not be in you yet, but the fruit is in you of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. So we're tested in this, these things every day. When Francis gets a phone call from uh, an irrational uh, tenant or anybody, then she's, she's right there being tested. How am I going to respond to this? I mean, it's, it's blowing her ear off. And sometimes it may be vulgar language. I don't know. But how am I going to respond to this? Dwell on the fruits of the Spirit. Right then, just start thinking on them. Does this person need love? Does this person need patience? Does this person need gentleness from me? Does this person need uh, faithfulness from me? Does this person need some self-control from me? And I'm telling you, God will answer your prayers because of that fruit. His choice should be our choice. Sensitivity to his leading at any given moment. We have to be sensitive to his leading at any given moment. It's so easy to get caught up in the flesh. It's so easy for our minds to get anxious at any moment. But we have the power to choose. And we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to choose the right way. Before we weren't, before we come into this kingdom. We just stayed in that that cycle of misery. Jesus, as Jesus, the boy made the statement. The next verse says in verse 52, he says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now these are the, this is the sign of a profitable business. It's not about money. It's about this right here. He increased in wisdom. He increased in stature. He increased with favor with God and favor with man. Why? Because he was about the Father's business of changing an atmosphere, of producing God's character. 
and explaining things that need to be explained about the kingdom. If you can produce this, everything you need will follow you. He says his goodness follows us. His mercy follows us. But the foundation to that is doing the Father's business. Those three things, changing the atmosphere, speaking the name of Jesus. Your character is going to be tested. And when you choose God's character, you'll be able to explain any situation. God, I didn't give you this, but this was what the Lord showed me, how Jesus had union with him. And it was, it was nine things I pulled out of, of, the, of John. Number one was, and they're simple, the son can do nothing of himself, John 5, 17. You really need to meditate on these scriptures because this, is, this is, was the perfect union of love between Jesus and the father. Number two, the son can do nothing of himself. God's awesome. This is the perfect union, which means perfect unity, which means perfected love between two people. Where all you care about is doing what that person needs and wants. Amen? That's really what serving is all about. Everybody got that? Let's go to number two. The perfect union of the Father and the Son. The Son can do nothing of himself. 517. Oh, you're putting them up as a go. Oh, I'm sorry. Number two, I can of mine own self do nothing. John 5.30. I can of my own self do nothing. These are all mindsets we have to take on. Number three. Everybody got number two? Number three. I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father. John seven sixteen. This is why Jesus was so incredible successful. Because of these nine things right here. Incredible successful. John seven sixteen. Sixteen. Seven sixteen. Sixteen. So I need to get the oil out. Put it in the ears. Get the plugs out. All right, number four, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. What doctrine are we carrying? You, uh, Paul said, don't receive any other doctrine, what he was saying, right? What the apostles were saying. And that's in John seven sixteen. as well. My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Number five, I've always loved this one. I do nothing of myself. I do nothing of myself. God can do so much when we have this kind of mindset. Number six, um, John eight twenty eight. Another one, and uh, yeah, number five. I do nothing of myself. Yeah, they're pretty much the same. Eight twenty-eight, number six. I do always those things that please him. And I'm going to give you a list of things that please him so we'll know. 
I do always those things that please him. John 8, 29. This is how you get successful in the kingdom and in the world. Because God wants you successful in both areas. Number seven. I came from God. Neither came I of myself. John 8, 42. I came from God. Comma, neither came I of myself. Jesus came selfless. We came from God. Aren't you glad he sent you in this time and not 2,000 years ago? Right? I seek not my own glory. That's a big one in business. Seeking not your own glory. And in ministry, John 8.50, I seek not my own glory. Number nine, I have not spoken of myself, but the Father gave me commandment but to speak. I have not spoken of myself, but the Father gave me commandment what to speak. Now, commandment is revelation. John 10, 25. So business with God. I'm gonna, I want to focus on today. Um, I just want to get a little foundation out there on that. But I'm going to focus on trading your peace for his. Because sometimes during the week we lose our peace. Trading your peace for his is being about the Father's business. You might want to write this down. As we promote God in spirit and character, as we promote God in spirit and character, he promotes us in faith and grace. If I promote him in the fruits of the spirit and his character, which is the word of God. See, we got to carry the fruit of the spirit and God's character to be successful in both worlds. Spiritual world and the natural world. That's why it's so important for the mind to get renewed. Where you think like God, talk like God, walk like God, love like God, give like God, and then bear in the fruit of the spirit. As, as he, as we promote God in spirit and truth, he promotes us in faith and grace. Anybody ever know what? Because that was revelation. So it's already left me. Yeah. When we are about the Father's business, I love this. This was something that I was reviewing my notes this morning. I was in worship. He said, put this down there. When we are about the Father's business, we are not responsible for the outcome. Man, don't we take that takes some pressure off of us. We are not responsible for the outcome. I love it when Jesus went in and, and he told his disciples to shake the dust off your feet if they don't receive your peace. So the outcome was not the disciples' problem. <laughs> God took over at that point. And this is how you know it's grace when you received a blessing that someone else deserved. I, I see that all the time. We'd get jobs that we bid competitively, and, and the low bidder was a qualified guy. He had was saving the guy, the owner, money, 
And we were third or fourth or fifth on the list, and they came and gave us the job, even though it cost them money to come to us. That's grace. That's how grace works. You know it's grace when your success goes far beyond your talent, and God rewards you. You know it's grace when your success goes far beyond your talent. And this is a little nugget the Lord gave me this morning as well. There is a grace that maintains and sustains you. There's a grace that maintains and sustains you. And that grace comes to you from God. It's a grace. It's a favor that comes to you to sustain you in a situation that's a a negative type situation. And it's also a grace to maintain his love affair with you. If we can keep the love going on, we can keep God pleased. And then he said, there's a grace that profits you. And that's whatever he's graced you to leave your body. Grace that profits you. And that's when something, you're not in the receiving mode. You're in the giving mode. It's like Jesus, it took him, it took grace to lay down his life. We can't lay down our lives for one another until grace is in operation. That's why it's so hard for some of us. And grace will not go in operation until you have obeyed what God had said before. He requires you you to lay down your life. So faith has to be in operation. So true success is peace with God in spirit and in soul. In spirit and soul. This is where we receive grace. And this is where we profit from grace. Because we're producing living from the inside out. The true sign of success in this age and the age to come, and this is some of the stuff I pulled off of our last teaching, the true signs of success in this age and the age to come is your giving record. Now, if most people, now this, we don't think this way, but if you're in a religious church, the first thing you're going to think is money, right? But this is the giving record. Giving time, giving love, and giving money. Giving time, love, and money. Time with God first, then you give people time. Time with God first, then people. Then you give love. You can't give people love if you don't set some time aside for that person, right? Give God love first, then people. And then money. Give God your money first, and then people. <laughs> I love I love it in Corinthians. It says, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. I don't deserve anything God has done, given me. Jesus gets all the honor and the praise and the glory because he taught me how to do this and to be successful. So here's the seven things that God loves. A stranger. How many times do we avoid a stranger? He loves a stranger. He loves righteousness. Staying in right standing with him. 
And he loves judgment. Because judgment is the key to promotion. Judgment promotes us. We, we can't look at, at judgment as something that's demoting us. It's actually promoting us. Number four, the gates of Zion. What are the gates of Zion? The gates of your soul. There's four gates. He loves those four gates because they produce the kingdom. Number five, the righteous he loves. Righteous is, means right standing with God. Righteousness is living that life. He loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. And, and number seven, he loves whom he disciplines and corrects. He loves whom he disciplines and corrects. Mm -hmm. Right? Righteous, righteous, righteous is our position with God. He loves our position with him. Righteousness is living the life out of that position. And that goes back to the fruits of the Spirit. That's righteous. Producing the fruits of the Spirit. In fact, in Corinthians it says that when you give, He increases the fruits of righteousness. Everybody got it? Three things God takes pleasure in. This is what he loves. I mean, we can love things, but what do we take pleasure in? Faith. God takes pleasure in your faith. He takes pleasure in your growth. And it's interesting, the third one is prosperity, because without faith and growth, you'll never enter into prosperity. But I taught um, Little Brook and Joshua the more you grow in Christ, the more you'll prosper. It's a, it's a law. It's got to come to you. Everything's going to prosper. Faith, growth, and prosperity, the three things God takes pleasure in. All right? Everybody got that so far? Let's look at the seven things God hates. Now, this is what we really need to focus on. And if we can just get this right, the other is going to be pretty easy. Pride, a proud look. Pride, a proud look. Number two, a liar. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. Number four, deception. And if you want the scriptures for these, it's all Proverbs 6.16. Number five, running to evil. Six, false witness who speaks lies. And seven, which I see a lot in the body of Christ, is, is one who causes division among the saints. So it's possible for the God of love to hate. You know, perfect peace is being completely dead to self. And a person who is dead to self will excel in business, in family, in every area of life. That person does the things God loves and takes pleasure in. That's dead to self. Doing those things that God loves and takes pleasure in. Those things that were listed. And that the same person avoids the things 
that God hates. Runs from the things that God hates. So perfect peace is a sign that you're doing the things that God loves and doing the things that takes pleasure in him. Now look at John 20, 21. Again, he says, peace be unto you. This is what Jesus was saying to his disciples. Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, I send you. So peace is the greatest gift of all because Jesus was the Prince of Peace. Now let's look on the screen and, 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 and see here what, what peace actually does for us. Let's go to the next one. It's life-altering. It's life-altering. It's barrier-breaking. It's faith-building. And I love the last one. It's destiny-producing. You see how the devil gets us so easily distracted to become anxious about something. Because he knows without peace you'll never, you'll never obtain this. Peace. And peace is not laziness. You know, you gotta be in the you gotta be in the war. You gotta be in the front line. And that's where real peace begins to resurrect. That's how you know you have it. You can stay at home and be at peace and avoid the world, but God has called you to the world. He's called you to be, to make the change. It's life altering. I love that. This is church peace, right? This is kingdom peace. So when your mind is renewed, you got kingdom peace. That's born again peace. This is reigning and ruling dominion peace. The devil knows you're coming. He'll run. Because he can't do anything with you. He doesn't have any agreement with you. He'll just run away from you. Bow down to you. And I love this. Faith is not something you produce. It's something he produces through you. That's why you constantly listen to that word. Constantly speak the word. And God sends his faith to you. Faith is not something you produce. It's something he produces through you. And I'm not talking about the peace that only comes when things are going right on the outside. That's a superficial peace that will never last. We need supernatural peace, not superficial peace. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost peace. It thrives when the bills are piling up. It thrives when, when the economy is failing. It thrives when trouble comes to your door. This is a peace. You can feel it begin to energize you in negative circumstances. That's his peace. It's supernatural. It's not superficial. Amen? And from the beginning of this teaching... All this leads up to that kind of peace. If you'll do those things that are listed on the screen, He will give you that kind of peace. Christ gives us that kind of peace. If not, if not only calms our fears, but gives, look what it gives. Birth to creativity. See, if you can be creative agents, you'll excel the ones that are out there. This kind of peace gives birth to creativity. It causes you to succeed when others are failing. 
We've seen that just in our business. We maintain our peace when the economy went down. And it sustained us. We weren't worried about nothing. Because if I worried, it would have stopped the grace that was supposed to come my way. Fights off sickness and disease. Isn't that amazing? Peace can fight off sickness and disease. Huh? Yes. Generates wisdom and strategic decisions. Creates opportunities for future generations. And we're doing all those things here at CEO Hall Real Estate and Construction. We're doing these things right here. We don't have sick days. We make strategic decisions. We're creating opportunities for the younger people to come on into and and be blessed by this. John fourteen twenty seven. Need to go back. Go back. John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. So the peace peace that allowed Jesus, this is the kind of peace that allowed Jesus to calm the storms, to do miracles, to do everything he was doing, even to face the cross. Can you imagine? Even though he was, his soul was being poured out, he was at peace on the inside. That's supernatural. Knowing that you're going to be nailed to a, a tree, nailed to a tree, and be at perfect peace. That That's amazing. The supernatural. This powerful, unyielding peace is what Jesus promises to give us today. We can have it. It's already available. This is what Jesus is saying. I'll trade. I'll trade you. You give me your part-time peace, and I'll give you my full-time peace. Isn't that amazing? All we have to do is surrender to it. I will give you my full-time peace. You give me your occasional peace. And I will give you my abiding peace. Remember, there's a love that rescues and there's a love that abides. Most of us walk around with love that rescued us, but never experience the abiding love, which is the Father's love that comes into the soul. So trade your peace for his today. Kingdom peace that surpasses our understanding. Now we're going to put some scriptures on the screen. You just write them down. But I'm going to show you how to die to self before we leave at noon. Because that's the key. You won't even be hungry after that. <laughs> that little bit of bread you got a little while ago is going to sustain you the rest of the day. Psalm 127, I am for peace, but when I speak, they're for war. You're going to experience that. Don't think everything's going to be nice when you go out there and start doing business. Because the devil knows who you are. And when you speak, and you got this perfect peace on you, you're thinking they're going to come on in with you. No, all war's going to break out on some people. They're going to hate you. Amen? That's the devil. It's not the people. I used to have to meditate on this scripture years ago. Because it seemed like every time I went out, war broke out. 
I was getting tired of it. It still happens. <laughs> I'd go home wore out, just wore out. I said, Lord, how much more? I can't take this. He said, grow up. <laughs> he said, grow up. Psalm 122.7. Peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. So and, until you're at peace, this perfect peace, there will be no prosperity in your home. There will be no prosperity in your home. There will be no prosperity in your workplace. Peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. Isaiah 26.3 He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust him in all times, all things, and all places. You can lean on your spirit man on the inside. That's what it means. I'm leaning on my spirit, man. I'm leaning inwardly and not leaning outwardly on a negative situation or even a positive situation. I'm going to trust the peace that's in me. And you don't have to write those verses down. 1633, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Yep. So if you stay in him, you'll be at perfect peace, even though you're in the world. But if your soul ever gets in the world through anxiety and fear and anger, perversion, all these things, you'll lose that perfect peace. You'll lose it. Colossians 3.15, this is one I use a lot for making decisions. And let the peace of God rule your heart. Notice it says hearts. It's plural. And I always said we have two hearts. Cardia and Numa. My spirit has a heart. My head has a heart. And both of them have to come to agreement before I make a decision. And people hate that. Because it says it takes you forever to do something. But when I do it, it prospers. And it makes up all that time. <laughs> it takes you forever. They think you've forgotten about it. <laughs> And here's the key, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. That means don't get anxious for lack. Don't be, get anxious because you got lack in your life. But in everything, all items, all things, and all places, by prayer and supplication, humbly, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known to God. And the peace of God. Isn't that amazing? That thing comes on you. That surpasses your intellect, your understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. Your mind's an organ. The heart he's talking about here is a function. These are functions, but the mind is an organ. So he's going to protect everything to bring forth what you've asked him to do. It's plural again, right? Let the peace of God rule, umpire your heart. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Write this down. Just write righteousness, peace, and joy on your paper and put in between peace and joy is salvation. And in between joy and, and joy is the result of salvation. So you have peace and you have joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So in between righteousness and peace is salvation. No salvation, no peace. 
peace and joy. Between peace and joy, yeah, is salvation, right. Between peace and joy is salvation. Salvation. Same answer. It's the same answer. Let's look in the screen and see what salvation really means. Salvation, this is what it means in the Greek and Hebrew. Health, wealth, and prosperity. So a lot of people walk around thinking they've obtained salvation. But salvation is something you have to lay hold of. You have to lay hold of that, and it's called eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. He says constantly, Paul said, lay hold of eternal life. Health, wealth, and prosperity. Saved and salvation are two different things. We got rescued. Saved means rescued. We got rescued from the devil's kingdom. God conveyed us over, dropped us in his kingdom, and now it's cleanup time. He pulled us out of what? The miry what? Clay and mud. So we're coming up and we still got the clay and mud on us. And the devil, devil's still attracted to that clay and mud. But when all this becomes washed, you're working out your salvation. Major joy every time. Prosperity means that you are living a life that is prosperous. Wealth is the result of prosperity. Your prosperity is you're living a life that is prosperous. Prosper means empowered to succeed. But when you succeeded, it's called prosperity. And prosperity brings wealth. And wealth is a whole word. I mean, you're, you're wealthy in your relationships. Your spirit is wealthy. Your soul is wealthy. Your body is wealthy. Your finances are wealthy. It's that five-fold wealth. Spirit, soul, body, finance, and social people. Right. Spirit, soul, body, finance, and people, social. Total reconciliation. All right, so let's look at what peace says. We got to hurry. Peace means no war, a state of tranquility, quiet, freedom from oppressive thoughts and emotions. Wouldn't it be awesome just to be free from oppressive thoughts and emotions? It's possible. This is an awesome teaching. If you just take these and do it, I'll guarantee you this will work. Yes. Yes. It takes sacrifice, right? No war in your mind. The war's over. Jesus has it now. Grace and peace is multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Second Peter 1.12 Grace and peace is multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. So to know him, you have to be in him. Right? And to be in him is peace. That's your sign. That's that supernatural, not superficial peace. That's how I know I'm in him. Because, you know, we even have to be tested that I'm in him or we'll just get lackadaisical. So he'll send something by just to test us, to reassure us that we are still in him by that supernatural peace that comes on us. And to be at peace is prosperity within your home. To be at peace is prosperity within your home. Now let's look at the screen. Prosperity is attracted to peace. So every time the enemy gets you anxious, 
He's trying to cut off what's coming to you. Glory is attracted to prosperity. That's wealth. That's the glory. It's wealth. And wealth is attracted to the glory. Wealth is attracted to his presence. The Father's presence. Not the presence of Jesus. Jesus is the one that got everything done. It did all the work for this to happen. But wealth is attracted to his glory. That means you're in right relationship with the Father and the Son. All right, everybody got that? The enemy of peace is self. The enemy of peace is self. And Charlene, we should run a copy of this for them before they leave. Um, because I'm not going to be able to go through it all for the sake of time because Dr. Lee's going to be here at 12. They had to sell, um, yeah. Oh, just, oh, the whole message, I can give it to you. Okay, here, here, here's some signs. Yeah, the next, next one we're going to test you. We're going to test every other one. Like if I teach this week, next month or whatever it is, yeah. That is so effective. This one. Yep. I'm fixing to show you. Number one, here's the signs of death to self. Has no personal will. Has no personal will. Will. Everything's about God. Choosing what he wants. Number two, I'm not going to read the scriptures. I'm just going to go through them for the sake of time. Number two, serves with right motives person who is dead to self is going to serve with the right motives. John John, John 5.19 is the basis for these scriptures. And then uh, Philippians 3.13 and 14. So someone who has died to the, their old nature will always serve thinking of people. There's a fire on the inside to carry out the will of the Father. There's a fire. Number three, surrenders to the Father, Heavenly Father to delegate authority. Now, this is a choice to, to submit to hardship with humility and maturity. Surrenders to the Heavenly Father, to the Heavenly Father to delegate authority. I'm a delegated authority. Every leader in the body is a delegated authority of Christ and the Father. But surrenders to that. Number four, has no personal agenda. When I come in every day, I have no personal agenda. It's just say, Father, what do you want today? And you know what? He keeps me busy with the gladness of my heart. Number four, has no personal agenda. This person is, has rejected all selfish ambition. Your sales, and your goals for sales and goals for this should be for the Father and not yourself. Father, this is for you. Number four, it cares about making more eternal, making the eternal name for himself. That's the key. You're making an eternal name for yourself. Number five, it's not easily offended. I have to test that all the time with the people around me. I'm going to see if they can get offended right now. <laughs> Gird yourself. <laughs> 
Gird the loins of your mind. One who has died to self is not easily offended because the hook the enemy had in their flesh has disappeared. The hook the enemy had in their flesh has disappeared. No more carnality. A person who is offended is a carnal person. If you're easily offended, your flesh is still alive and in control. The very thing that's keeping you from the blessings of God. It is true. Number six, does not allow emotions to control him or her. Gary could have got an A plus in this area when he came into here. He didn't change the atmosphere. He put the atmosphere into a whirlwind. <laughs> but look what God has done. Man, oh man. <laughs> This person has acquired, this person, this person here has acquired personal dominion. Has acquired personal dominion. Decisions made or actions taken don't occur because of what he, or he, what he feels or wants, but because he is wise. Here he's become wise. The glory is showing up on his face. Oh, yeah. There's no, it's, he's got that supernatural peace. Number seven, has, has less bad thoughts because he or she no longer thinks of himself but on God. Those bad thoughts are going to leave when you just, just think on God all the time. That was trying to get you to think about him. <laughs> Those bad negative thoughts. His mind has been set free from every oppression of thoughts that the enemy sends his way. I love it, man. I love it. I remember when I was, oh man, what a difference. What a difference. There is a Jesus and he is alive. There is, he is alive and he's still working today. Number eight is passionate for doing the will of the father. This is a passion, making yourself, making yourself more like the son of God. Willing to suffer more deaths as long as the end result is seeing his will carried out. Willing to suffer more death to see his will carried out. He never feels like he has, and here's the key. You need to write this one down. This person never feels like he has arrived. Willing to suffer more deaths as long as the end result is seeing his will carried out. He never feels like he's arrived. As long as the end result is seeing his will carried out. Yeah, y'all get a copy of this before you leave. He never feels like he has arrived. Number nine is someone whom God can fully trust. I used to have an office manager over there, been with me for 15 years. And one day she just said, you don't trust me. And I looked at her, I didn't because you don't want to offend them. But I looked at her and I said, I don't trust your head, but I trust your heart. Oh, she looked at me like Carrie's looking at me right now. I, I can't trust your head, but I can trust your heart. So indirectly, I was telling her what to do. Stay in heart where the issues of life come. That person is not led by the heat of emotion and has matured spiritually and emotionally. The person who has died to self can be fully trusted. 
How do you know you can trust somebody? Look at the fruit of their life. See if they've died to self. That's how you know you can trust them. They're worthy to be trusted. Number 10. Is and remains under authority. Everybody is under authority. I don't care what you say. We're always under authority. There's good authority and there's bad authority out there. But for some reason, God lets us go to the bad authority to learn the real, what the real is like. A person who has died to self-will, a person who has died to self will seek, desire it, and move into it continuously with subjection. You want to be submitted to authority because it's a safe place. The wrong ones have made it not a safe place. That's why people come in here, they feel safe. There's a peace. There's a protection. Each time he submits to authority, a greater, greater level of power is released. Every time I give out an, an instruction for someone, if you'll just submit to it and do it, a greater level of power is released in your life. Because Christ died under authority. You can't die unless you're under authority. That's why a lot of, of church people out there are still alive in the flesh because they never died under authority. Death to self represents total obedience and submission to God and his delegated authority. Number 11, this person practices, sac practices sacrifice as a lifestyle. Ooh, that excites me. We can practice this. Practice sacrifice as a lifestyle. The person who has learned to continually give sacrifices on the altar of God because he knows and understands that, that it is a function of a kingdom priest. You're a priest. Some of us are a king. Some of us are a priest. Some of us are both. Number 12. This person will walk the extra mile and put forth extra effort in everything they do. Everything they put their hand to. This is how you get success, successful. The person makes the extra effort to sacrifice, pray, and worship. That's what we're going to practice, that sacrifice of praying, the sacrifice of worship, the sacrifice of, 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 of giving, the sacrifice of just serving people. This is the only type of believer that can make a difference in the earth. Number 13. Is not defensive when criticized is not defensive when criticized. This person has died to self, does not defend himself because he, un or he or she understands that the defender is God. You don't have to defend yourself. God defends you. Usually the people that defend themselves don't know their God yet. Or they justify themselves. They don't know their God yet. When you're criticized, does it bother you? Is your reaction to defend yourself, are you dead to criticism? Are you dead to persecution? I'm dead to it. I don't know about you, but I'm dead to criticism and persecution. And that's something I had to grow into. It does not come overnight. It's something like it says you have to practice the sacrifice as a lifestyle of praying and worshiping and giving. 
Yes, God continually tests the heart and the mind, he says. And then Philippians 3, 13 and 14 talks about brothers and sisters. I do not consider that I have made it my own. I love the word yet. Yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things that lay behind me, I reach forward. I don't remember nothing from yesterday. People ask me, what, what about yesterday? And I have to labor to get to yesterday. And the reason I had to labor to get yesterday because the Holy Spirit's not empowering me to go back there. Faith is today. Faith is now. Glory is tomorrow. 14. Lives a different reality. This person sees everything from an eternal perspective, not a natural perspective. Acting on principles, eternal principles. I always tell people, look at the spiritual application of something before you judge it. You have to look at the spiritual application of this thing before you judge something. Only eternal truths direct his or her life, decisions, actions, and attitudes. Only the word directs this person and decisions, actions, and attitudes. And you'll find this person, that's all they're going to talk about is the word, and that'll frustrate people. People get agitated sometimes about that. But keep speaking the word. They'll come out of that agitation. They're tormented if they're agitated because of the word. 15, cannot be resisted by Satan. A person dead to self is empowered in full authority to exercise against Satan and cast him out. You can't cast out a devil unless you died to self. Because the devil said, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> I know who you are. I've seen that in, in ministry section. That spirit of God, I know you. You can't cast me out. Yeah. <laughs> Satan can resist and defy anyone whose ego, which is attitude, people who have attitudes, Satan can resist and defy anyone who has an attitude enthroned in their life. He knows that they lack authority against him. But when Christ sits on their throne, no demon can face them. And that's in humility and honor. Number 16. Does not hold on to anything that God gives him or her. When God puts something in your hand, don't think it's yours. The only ownership you have is stewardship. The ownership you have is stewardship. This person does not deny God anything, does not hold on to anything, does not keep anything, or feel accomplished in anything. His entire life is open and made available to the Father, to the Father's plans, and to Father's demands. He is willing to give God everything he possesses and everything he is. And the last one, number 17, is committed and surrendered to God. The Father is everything. Notice I said the Father is everything. Jesus is not everything at this point. Jesus has already accomplished what he was sent to do. The Father now is everything because Jesus died for that relationship. He is Lord and master of his life, good days, time, being 
good day, good days, time being, gifts, and possession. This person has has no other motive in life other than God. When you get to that place, you'll be successful in his world, in his kingdom, and in the natural world. Amen? Y'all get this teaching today? And you can run the whole teaching if you want from from uh, beginning to end because it just comes. When you get in worship, it just comes. A lot of meat in that. You got all this? Okay.